Well, he's waiting in the shadows. Waiting for the shadows, actually. Actually, He's waiting for the covering that nightfall will afford him. Because he needs to attend somewhere. He sits on the second story of his house near his window. Sipping his olive leaf tea. Watching the sunset. Bidding his time. Jerusalem at this hour of the day is rather enchanted. As the disappearing sun casts a tent across the stone streets. And the light gilds across the white houses. And highlights the blockish temple. He waits. He waits. Nicodemus looks across the slate roofs at the massive square, glamorous and resplendent. He walked its temple courtyards this morning, and he'll do the same again tomorrow. With other religious leaders, gathering with them, doing what religious leaders do. They discuss God. They discuss reaching God, pleasing God, appeasing God. God. Pharisees, they, that's what they do. They talk about God, and Nicodemus is numbered amongst them. Sitting, discussing, pondering, solving puzzles, resolving dilemmas, you know, like sandal tying on the Sabbath. How to feed people who won't work. Divorcing your wife. Dishonoring your parents. What does God say? What does God say about that? Nicodemus needs to know. I mean, that's his job. That's what he does. He's a holy man who leads holy men. And and he's got to come to some of the resolve to figure those things out. His name appears on the elite list of those who are the Torah scholars. He's dedicated his life to the law and occupies one of the 71 seats of Judaism's Supreme Court. He's got one of those seats. Pretty important guy. He has credentials, he has clout, and he he has questions. Sincere questions. Sincere questions for the Galilean showstopper. This one that he's heard about and seen and observed. The backwater teacher who lacks diplomas yet attracts people. Who has ample time for the happy hour crowd, but little time for clergy and the holy upper crust. He banishes demons, some say. Forgives sins, others claim. Purifies temples. Nicodemus, he he has no doubt. He witnessed Jesus purge Solomon's porch. He saw the fury, braided whip, flying doves. There will be no pocket padding in my house, Jesus erupted. By the time the dust settled and the coins landed, hustling clerics were running a background check on him. He witnessed Jesus' purge of the, uh, many things. The man from Nazareth won no favor in the temple that day. So Nicodemus came at night. His colleagues, they, they can't know of the meeting. 
they wouldn't understand. But Nicodemus can't wait until they do. As the shadows darken the city, he steps out, slips unseen through the cobbled winding street. He passes servants lighting lamps in the courtyards and takes a path that ends at the door of a simple house. Jesus and his followers are there. He's been told, so he knocks. The noisy room silences as he enters. The men are wharf workers and tax collectors, unaccustomed to the high brow in the world of a scholar. They sift in their, shift in their seats, and Jesus motions for the guests to sit. Nicodemus does, and he initiates. And he initiates the most famous conversation in all of Scripture. Rabbi, uh, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is in him. Now, Nicodemus begins with what he knows. He says, basically, you know, hey, I've, I've done my homework about you, he applies, and your work, it impresses me. Now, we listen for a kindred salutation from Jesus. You know, something like, well, I've heard of you too, Nicodemus. We expect, and Nicodemus expects it. You know, some hospitable chit-chat. None comes. Jesus makes no mention of Nicodemus' VIP status, good intentions, or academic credentials. Not because they don't exist, but because in Jesus' algorithm, they don't matter. He simply issues this proclamation. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Huh. Behold, the continental divide of Scripture, the international dateline of faith. Nicodemus stands on one side, Jesus on the other side, and Christ pulls no punches about their difference. Nicodemus inhabits a land of good efforts, sincere gestures, and hard work. Give God your best, and God will do the rest. You know, all kinds of slogans. Jesus' response, your best won't do. Your works don't work. Your finest efforts don't mean squat. Unless you are born again, you can't even see what God is up to. Nicodemus, he hesitates on behalf of all. Born again? How can a man be born when he's old? You must be kidding me. Put life in reverse, rewind the tape, start over. We can't be born again. Oh, but wouldn't we like to? Wouldn't we like to have a do-over, a try again, a reload? Broken hearts and missed opportunities bob in our wake all the time. A mulligan, yeah, that would be nice. Who wouldn't cherish a second shot? But who can pull it off? Nicodemus scratches his chin and <laughs> he sort of chuckles. He says, hey, yeah. A gray beard like me gets a maternity ward recall, huh? Jesus doesn't crack a smile. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, about this time, a gust of wind blows a few leaves through the still open door, and Jesus picks up 
off the floor, one of them, and holds it up. God's power works like this when, Jesus explains. Newborn hearts are born of heaven. You can't wish, earn, or create one. New birth, inconceivable. God handles the task start to finish. Nicodemus looks around at the room of followers. Their blank expressions betray equal bewilderment. Old Nick has no hook upon which to hang such thoughts. He speaks self-fix, but Jesus speaks, indeed introduces, a different language. Not works born of men and women, but a work born of God. Born again. Max Licato again describes in a very descriptive way a very commonplace story of the most popular conversation in all of Scripture. Today we close out a series we've been on, Conversations with Jesus. We've not covered them all. There's many more. We may come back to them sometime. But this most famous conversation of Jesus is one that we've become very complacent with because, well, we're used to it. It's at ball games, right? 3 colon 16. We know what that is. Those of us that have been around church a while, that's John 3.16, right? We know that verse. And that's tucked in that conversation with Nicodemus where Nicodemus is told that he has to be born again. And then we take the whole born again phrase and we use that. I don't know how many generations now it's started to be used. Are you born again? Are you born again? Are you born again? I'm a born again Christian. I'm just not a Christian. I'm a born again Christian. But sometimes the word born again, as I say, we cringe from that a little bit. I don't want to be one of those. You know, they, they're sort of dependent, aren't they? People that need to be born again. You know, I'm sort of more of a sophisticated kind of Christian. You know, born again, those are the people that are troubled. They've been going through a lot of difficult times. They sort of, you know, they need some stability and structure in their life. And maybe they find their way to a group of people that are more fundamentalist and, you know, restrictive. And that's good for them. That's fine. But I'm not one of those. Those are those are the born again kind of people. I don't know if I would do that because I'm sort of sophisticated. I'm doing okay. I've got some credentials and clout myself. And so I'm going to have a dignified Christian faith. That born again stuff, that would be for like, oh yeah, you remember the conversation we had last week? The woman at the well who Jesus approached and she'd been married five times? The conversation Jesus had with the social outcast and the man that she was living with now wasn't her husband? You know, the one that came during the heat of the day so she wouldn't have to be around all the village people who would look at her and, and gossip about her, her terrible sinful life and what has happened to her. Those are the people that need to be born again. They need to start over. Yeah, give them the shot. Give them the title. Give them the tag. You know, it's interesting with the conversation from last week we looked at when Jesus speaks to the social outcast in this conversation where Jesus speaks to the religious elite, do you realize that they are back-to-back in the Gospel of John? The woman at the well in John 4, in this conversation in John 3. Could there be some purpose in John's juxtaposing those two conversations? Jesus, as we've talked about, 
He never uses the same conversation twice in all of Scripture. He never goes about it exactly the same kind of way. And and that's the beauty, I think, of our Lord, because even this morning, as Jesus wants to have a conversation with you and I, he's doing what? He's going, man, I need to line myself to just sort of zero right in there on how they're wired, how they've experienced life, what's going on with them now, and where their soul's at. Jesus is never one of these people. Take a number, sit down. We have a cookie-cutter system for you to operate through. No, he's very personable. And so as surely as he casually walked into this conversation with the woman at the well of last week and talked to her about how he knew about her and that she needed to have living water that he could provide. And, and she became excited in her soul and began to believe in him as the Messiah and went to the town and brought her friends out. So here's Jesus dealing uniquely with another individual, except he's, he's of the high class. Now, we don't quite fully see this because Nicodemus uh, admirable in many ways for coming to Jesus and seeking him out, waiting for the shadows to slip there so maybe other people wouldn't seem to ask this Galilean the questions that he had. But Nicodemus, he would be like a senator or sitting on the Supreme Court justices today. This guy, he had his act together. He was successful. He was competent. He was well-liked. He was well-received. He was a moral person. He was even a spiritual person. You know, you would look at his life and you say, wow, that's that's put together. And, and, you know, for the story, I mean, Nicodemus is pretty cool because here's Nicodemus actually realizes that there's something about Jesus that he wants to know. And so he's not a hooty tooty kind of person, necessarily this arrogant kind of individual. And sometimes he can be thrown out that way. He genuinely knew his place and knew how to seek out answers to questions and truth that may be before him. In fact, We hear what of Nicodemus? It was him there at the cross after Jesus died and helping to carry away the body of Jesus to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. So Nicodemus is a pretty good guy in many ways. A Pharisee, yeah, a religious leader, maybe locked up into all the self-serving stuff and works righteousness true. But here he is, he slips through the evening and he comes to Jesus in the midst of his disciples possibly and he's, 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 he's very forthright in how he approaches Jesus. He had done his homework. He had been observing the works of Jesus at that time. And so he comes and he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not in him. That's that's a pretty humble kind of place to come. And and we're sort of expecting Jesus to do the chit chat kind of thing. I mean, I mean, he was sort of that way with the woman at the well, right? Sort of engaging a little bit and soft and tender and gentle with her. But no, boom, he just hits him, cold knocks him. Right there. He just speaks straight to him. No warm-up, nothing. He just simply says, I tell you the truth. No one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. What in the world does that mean? He wasn't privileged to grow up in our culture where we throw around the term born again all the time. For someone of intelligence 
to be throwing out the idea that you can be born again? There was only one birth in mine, and that was a physical birth from the womb of a mother. Birth? How in the world could that possibly ever happen? And so he just simply says that. Surely, cannot a person a second time enter into his mother's womb to be born? I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. What? How can this be? You see, Jesus was treating the woman at the well and the spiritual leader, Nicodemus, in the same category. Oh, they had different life stories, different experiences, different you know, things that they could talk about uh, as it related to the journeys of their life. But Jesus th- sees through all the titles, all the careers, all the accomplishments, and He sees the individual heart of each and every human being, including your heart this morning in this room. And Jesus identifies something that you and I are spiritually dead no matter how many good works, no matter how much we've fallen into sin, we're all the same. And we need to be born again. We need that living water. He's confronting Nicodemus though. Because in that day, they did have a whole set of things you needed to do to be a religious person. You know, we sort of jest at the idea of can you tie your sandal on the Sabbath, but friends, they actually discuss questions like that. And even worse. Why? Because they define people inside and outside of the group according to what you did and did not do. And Jesus simply says, that doesn't count. I don't care that you're a VIP. I don't care that you went to church since you were a wee little tot. I don't care that you served in every VBS at that church since it started. It doesn't matter. All of us have a condition, a condition of the interior life that needs to be changed. And Nicodemus, you're no different. Unless you are born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. My algorithm says that it doesn't matter what you've done. Now, if we're good born-again Christians here today, we champion and say, right on, right on, that's right. But I want to ask you this morning, just as a, a peer, as a friend, do we not treat one another according to the measurement of what people do and do not do? And we sort of do a little bit of that pecking order we've talked about. And could it be that we need to start seeing people as Jesus sees them, as people who are each legitimately, equally in need, and needing to be not only given the living water like we talked about last week with the Samaritan woman at the well, but each and every person needs to be born again. All right. I'll grant it. I get a little edgy. I get a little bit of a pecking order thing going in my life. 
But before God, the ground's level at the foot of the cross. And we all come equally. So then what does this born again thing really mean? Does it mean, you know, getting that little edge on you as somebody who's a Bible thumper and Jesus saved me? What was born again? They didn't have that there. Nicodemus scratching, pondering, contemplating. He's probably going to go back and talk to his other religious leaders about this encounter if he got the nerve to do it. But it's like, what does this Galilean teacher mean by being born again? Well, let's think about being born the first time. I am not a woman. Praise God. (laughs) But I remember being invited into that delivery room for the birth of my first child. And just by observing it was a traumatic experience. I can't believe what it means by participating in it. The hour comes, you know, and. And the labor is in full motion. And sometimes hour upon hour, and we could go around with the ladies who are moms here, and you could probably tell us exactly how many hours of labor you were in for each of your kids. Because <laughs> it just hangs there. But in that process of birth, you are champing, encouraging, and some of us weak husbands are trying to best to coach our wife, you know, and be there for them, and some of us just aren't good at it. I'm glad my wife's not here today. (laughs) Well, she could tell you if she were. But in the whole birth process, you are there amazed at the mother and her strength and her discipline and giving birth to this child. And you're encouraging her. At no time when the child comes out of the womb... You sit there. I mean, you're adoring the child. You're blessed. You can't believe it's the birth of this new child. But at no time do you go, way to go, boy. You did a great job getting your way coming out of there. (laughs) The baby didn't do anything to come out. Right? The birth happened to them, whether they sort of liked it or did it or participated in it or not. It was the woman who gave the effort for the child to be born. And so if you're going to be talking about being born, then we've got to come back to saying, well, who exerts the effort for something to be born? Well, ultimately, it's not even the mother, right? She didn't create that child in the womb. As it said in the Psalms, God formed our, our most inward parts, our unique being. We are creative and wonderfully made, Scripture says. Why? Because God is the one who creates the child, and God's the one who facilitates the birthing process. You're just born. Well, if you're going to be born again, then you need to dial into some of this, especially if you're on the works righteousness kind of side of life where you think you actually have done something. You know, I actually prayed a prayer. I actually sort of started living a good life. I actually came to church. And these are things that I did something. Friends, you didn't do anything when it came to you being spiritually born other than offering yourselves to God. It was Him that comes into your life. And to be born again means that you acknowledge the one who is able to give you spiritual life. God Himself. And so for Nicodemus, who was stacking up all the credentials, 
It wasn't that Jesus didn't want to affirm him for his discipline and his moral obligation. Basically, when, hey, when it comes to the kingdom of God and you getting in, all that doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You have to be born again. Now, it's interesting the word again that's used. There's actually two words from the Greek that could be used. The, the first word is palin. And the second word is an anothen. Palin means to um, uh, replicate, a copy. All right? So we're going to do this again and make another again and again and again. Like if you went to the copy machine or, or um, you know, I, I, this, would, this would be a good example. If, um, say, for instance, you uh, went to um, uh, uh, the Louvre in a Museum in Paris, France, and you walked in to observe the Mona Lisa painting. Okay? Now, what if you walked in and all of a sudden here comes Pastor Kerry going, hey, let me have a shot at doing that Mona Lisa. I set up my easel and I, I, pull, you know, I start to do my little thing and, and everybody's watching and you're sort of watching. You know, I mean, it's this magnificent work of art. And yeah, maybe there's a little bit of resemblance in what I'm trying to do with that. You know, but the nose is crooked and the mouth is off and the eyes are a little lopsided and that kind of thing. And you're going like, okay, you did the Mona Lisa again. But friends, you know that I am no... Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, I am not the guy to do a Mona Lisa. But see, the second Greek word for again is the word anothen. And that's the word that Jesus is referenced as using here. And it's not a replica, it's not a copy. It's bringing in the original creator to do what he did before. And Leonardo da Vinci could seek to paint another Mona Lisa. And so when Jesus says born again, he's, he's referencing this. And maybe sometimes you've heard it as saying, well, it's not just born again. It's for, sort of born from above. And the reason is because the word again is referencing that it's, it's sort of from above, from the creator, from the one who initiated it. The one who gave you physical birth in water is the one who can come and give you a spiritual birth by the spirit. And it's the same creator God that comes and does this in your life. And everybody... Everybody needs to be born again. And if you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. No matter how many hours you put in serving the homeless, no matter how many people know your name because of how friendly you are, no matter how generous you've been in your offerings at church on a Sunday morning, those things don't stack up for anything when it comes to getting into the kingdom of God. You have to be born again. And you have to choose. You have to choose to let the Creator God change and transform your internal spirit to be aligned with who He is. And so Jesus, He calls Nicodemus out amidst His other disciples. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, verse 10. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. 
I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into the heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, me. Just as Moses was lifted up, lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Oh, guess what's next? 3 colon 16. The most famous verse probably in all of Scripture. Intentionally placed right here in this conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, never ever grow tired of the beauty of that central verse of hope in all of Scripture. Whoever Whoever means whoever. Whoever comes to God and seeks for Him to change and regenerate their life from the inside out, God will act on their behalf. The good news. God gave His Son. His only Son. Why? Because He loved the whole world. All the whoever's of all the world. Every person you have touched with this week, every person you had touched with this last week, the good ones and the bad ones, the friends and the enemies, the ones you looked at just in glance and the ones you spent a time in conversation with, the whole world, Jesus loves them all. He died for all of them and God desires that all would be saved. And as surely as the snake was lifted up by Moses, Jesus was lifted up to draw all people to Him, grounds level at the foot of the cross. Everyone comes, whether the Samaritan woman or the high-end Pharisee, you come and you just seek to let God bring transformation into your life. And He will bring new birth. Are you born again? Huh? I still don't really understand it, Carrie. I don't know how fully I understand it even after all these years. All I know this is that whosoever believes in Me will not perish but have everlasting life. I chose in a moment in time in my life to say, Jesus, I want to be Yours. Now, for some people, it's a moment in time you can actually tell the date and the prayer and the place. For other people, sometimes it's a season of time. A season of time where you were going one direction and then you turned and you you began to seek out this Galilean who was raised from the dead and is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And something changed in that period of time and you would say, I'm a follower of Christ and I became born again. You see, the born-again thing isn't some you know, big title to hang around. Jesus was using just one of many different kinds of conversations uniquely driven to Nicodemus. So Nicodemus would know that he can have no part in his, his transformation, his birth. Because he was out there putting up the rules for people. Telling them what they needed to do to be a spiritual person. And Jesus said, stop it! 
You have no part in creating birth. You're born again, born from heaven, and that's a work of God to those souls, to the individual, whoever they may be, that desires to seek. Are you born again? If you cannot say with assurance, yes, I am born again, then I want you to know this very moment, Jesus, through His Spirit that's alive, penetrating every crevice of this world, is speaking to you and offering to you the same life that He offered the Nicodemus. You can enter the kingdom of God if you choose to be born again. Allow yourself to be transformed by God and turn to Him as the Samaritan woman did as well. I would hesitate for this series to end without there being a clear understanding of what it means to be saved from on high and have spiritual life. Are you born again? What about those you're seeking to influence for Jesus? Are you telling them there's a whole stack of stuff they need to do? Or do you just sort of tell them like the old Billy Graham hymn that was used at his conferences, just as I am without one plea? Just as you are, you come to Jesus and He is able to change your life. Do not front load the Gospel with a bunch of works. Please don't do that. Front load the Gospel with what it is. It's grace. Offered freely. The miracle comes from God. Are you born again? What are you highlighting for those you desire to see born again too? And then if I could just ask one more question. After being born again, have you started to live by works? Or do you freshly receive the grace and the beauty of God's miracle every day of your life. Lord, good morning. Thank you for the air. And I thank you that I am born again. That would be an okay kind of prayer. I thank you that you give me living water today. For all that's going cruddy in my life right now. For all the ways I've fallen flat on my face, including crawling through this day probably. I thank you for your grace. Because you should never ever grow weary or tired of God's beauty, of the miracle of His grace. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, He went on to tell Nicodemus, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done only through God. I look forward to meeting Nicodemus someday. He'll be there. Though he was a well-credentialed, elite religious person, He was willing to have a humility of heart to come and seek Jesus out and seek to have answers to his big questions concerning his own personal soul. You know, I think one of the things that's probably sometimes the ugliest thing that I encounter 
in life, you have to excuse me for this, is an arrogant Christian. Do not use the term born again in an arrogant type of way. And do not follow Jesus in such a way that you think you're stacking up all these good works and that actually makes you something over the other person who maybe is struggling with how to walk with Jesus. We are all born again, not by anything that we have done in a birth process, but what God has done. And we walk humbly with Him in the joy of His beauty and His grace and His light and His truth. And we receive that. So rejoice as a believer in Jesus this weekend. For the one who ultimately gave His life has given it so you and I can have life and have it to the full. And if you are here without that assurance that you've been born again, then I simply invite you right now to pray with me. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, there's tenderness in some of your conversations and in some of your conversations you're pretty straight on. Lord, for the conversations you've been having in this room through your spirit here this morning, I pray that whether in a, a gentle way or a tough way, that your words and your heart for us would get through. And Lord, I just pray now for those who have never had that opportunity to receive spiritual birth from you. They've been born of the water, but they've not been born of the spirit. Then, and they would actually want to be born again. That they would just humbly right where they're at now seek you out and ask for you to come into their life. Your salvation brought from the cross, the redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, and the power of your resurrection coming to give us a spiritual life. Oh yes, these bodies may grow weary and die someday, but Lord, if we are born of the Spirit, we gain a new body to live eternally with you in your presence, Lord. And we have that presence here for these days, these years you give us on this earth. And so Lord, if there is anyone here this morning, who is not born again and desires to be born again, then I pray they would just repeat a simple prayer in their spirit after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sins. I turn from indifference or awkwardness or maybe even works righteousness thinking that I could earn my way to good standing with you. And I pray, Jesus, that you would come into my life and that I would be born of your spirit not something that I can force Jesus but I just offer myself to you would you redeem me and begin to make me anew you are the master artist I am the one who is a piece of work you are the dreamer and you have a dream and you are the one who gives life and I need life come into my life to the best of my ability from this day forward, I will worship and, and I will honor you. And I will listen to you and seek to serve you. Not to gain status with you, but because I love you. And so, Lord, we just pray your prayer blessing upon anyone who prayed that prayer. And, Lord, for those of us who are born again and who maybe have lost sight of the beauty of that wonderful grace, we just pray that you would keep that restored before us each and every morning. And that we may find our way encouraging those around us. Known people as well as people maybe you're going to call us to get to know even this summer. And that we would point them to you. 
yeah, we'd love to have them come to church and be a part of a community that's seeking you. But Lord, that's not what it's about. It's about them coming to you as surely as the woman at the well went and brought this village out to meet you. As surely as Nicodemus slipped through the shadows of the night, he chose to come to you. We pray that you would help us to bring people to you, that people would be born again because they find you and you work a transforming miracle in their life. So use our lives, Lord. Use our lives this summer. May we be filled with the beauty of your grace and may we draw other people to you. And Lord, for those this morning who have chosen to cross that line to receive you as their Lord and Savior, just bless the socks off of them all over the place. Even in the midst of the challenges and the battles they have, Lord, speak and encourage them. For Lord, you have plans for us plans that we can't comprehend. And God's people said...